0: Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This podcast was created with the purpose of being real, diving deep into the behind the scenes of what it's like to be successful while struggling with some of life's biggest challenges. In this podcast, there is no holding back. The tough questions are asked, hard things are said, and week after week, our hosts bring you tangible tips and tricks to live your best life. We're here to show you that you don't have to settle for good enough that you can shoot for the stars and accomplish your wildest dreams. The road to get there may look a little different, but we're here to prove to you that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful podcast. We are so excited to have you here. This is a really special guest today, our first author ever. Her name is Tanya Dalton. She is a best-selling author, a speaker, a nationally recognized productivity expert and serves as a growth specialist for female leaders. Her highly anticipated second book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success, is on sale everywhere where books are sold. In addition to her first book, she has a second book, The Joy of Missing Out, being named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune Magazine. Tanya's podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received over 2.5 million downloads from listeners all around the world. She's also featured in several networks, NBC, Fox. She's a VIP contributor to entrepreneurs.com. Tanya has been featured in some of world's leading publications, including Forbes, Fast Company, Real Simple. She has been awarded Elite Entrepreneur Women's Award and has been named the female entrepreneur to watch for the state of North Carolina. On top of all of that, Tanya is also the wife of John and the mom of Jack and Kate. They reside in Asheville, North Carolina, where John doesn't just work by her side. He sits across the desk from her. They spend their days playing, laughing, working together as she's once dreamed they would. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a long bio, let's be honest. But it's, it's
0: like, it's an impressive bio. and That's why I wanted to read a lot of it because there's so much in there that's like, You know, people strive to, but also doing that with children is so cool. So cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I started my very first business uh, with two kids. I like to say playing at my feet. I started my first business in 2008. And then as my businesses have grown, my children have grown as well.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I also read that you were a teacher prior to starting your business. Is that right?
1: I was. Yes. I was a teacher. That's what I um, did right out of college. And, you know, I did that. And then I had my son, Jack. Uh, who's now 18 and in his first year of college. And I thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom after that. That would be kind of the thing I would do. And then my whole life kind of switched and and changed up dramatically because of a conversation I had with my husband. And I had a, you know, I talk about this in my book and on purpose, but he was doing international marketing. He was uh, traveling the world. Literally, he'd buy a ticket called the Around the World Ticket where he'd leave our home of Dallas, Texas. That's where we were living at the time. And he would literally circle the globe and come all the way back the other side. So he'd be gone like two, three weeks at a time. And our kids were really little and answer the phone one, one evening. He's waking up as I'm kind of closing out my day and I'll tell him all the things that the kids are doing. And he was like, Oh, I'm missing everything. I'm missing the moments. I'm missing the milestones. I'm missing all these. things." And I was like, no, 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 you're not. I hung up the phone that night and I made a big decision standing in my kitchen, watching my kids play in the backyard I decided I was going to grow this little tiny side business that I had. I started with $50. I was selling to friends, maybe friends of friends, didn't have a website, didn't have any business experience, but I decided I was going to grow that company to absorb my husband's MBA income and have him come work alongside of me, which was pretty audacious, pretty crazy for someone who had never even taken a business course in college, not a single one. And so I sat down and I I mapped out some systems for myself. I I created this uh, whole structure of what I wanted in the future and then figuring out what my goals needed to be. And within about a year, I was able to make that happen. He was able to come and start working alongside of me. We've been working across the desk from one another since 2009. So he technically is my CMO. He works for me. I'm the CEO of Inkwell Press Productivity Co. So it's been fabulous because it's given us a lot of the freedoms that we want, the time freedom, the lifestyle freedom, the location
0: freedom, even to move to Asheville. That is such an amazing story and such an inspiring story for so many moms or even women entrepreneurs who are listening, who want to have that time freedom, have that freedom to raise their children with their husbands or even the opposite with their wives alongside them. And there's not that many people showing us that it's possible.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's this whole idea. And and this is one of the concepts I talk about in On Purpose is we tend to look at the things that we don't have. We don't have the fancy letters after our name. We don't have the, the fancy degree. We don't have the experience. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have all these things. And really, you don't have to have all those things to get started. I literally stood in my kitchen with zero business experience and made a decision that totally changed the direction of my family's life. It totally shifted the trajectory of everything we've done. And I run a seven-figure business with no prior business experience. So it's absolutely possible. And I think this is the thing is you can do what you're passionate about and you can create a life for yourself if you make those choices. It's Mm -hmm. actively choosing that you want to do it. That's really the big first step that you have to make is Stay, you don't have to stay in your kitchen and decide it like, like I did, but you just have to stand in, in your own power and say, this is what I'm going to do.
0: It literally gives me chills thinking, um, just imagining you standing in that kitchen, looking at your little children and thinking like, I can do this. I can do this. And I'm sure along the way, there were people that were like, nah, you're crazy. I'm sure your husband at one point was like, well, I don't know if I'll ever be able to like leave this job, but you do you like uh, you go <laughs> right. show me, you know, prove we'll it. See, we'll
1: see. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have naysayers. You're always going to have people who don't totally buy in. And the truth is we don't need buy-in from everybody else. We have to start with buy-in on ourselves. If you don't believe in you, no one else will. So this comes down to even like how you want to identify yourself. If you are wanting to step into entrepreneurship or, you know, being an artist or being an author or whatever it is, start identifying yourself that way. Don't call yourself like, well, I have this little thing that I do, or I've got this little hobby business, like stop, you know, people aren't going to take you seriously. If you don't start showing them how you want to be taken, people will receive you in the way that you offer yourself. So if you call yourself small, they will take you as small. Um, And it's the same thing, you know, because I know you talk a lot about, you know, chronic illness and all those mm-hmm. things. As I was standing in that kitchen, making that decision, I was dealing with incredible back issues. I have literally physiologically almost everything possible. You could have wrong with Ugh. your back. I have wrong with my back. I had major back surgery when I was, you know, 30 years old
0: wow. <laughs> and the doctors
1: are always like, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So I was living with daily pain throughout all of this. Um, really like at a, at an eight or a nine level where I had lost feeling in my legs. At one point, I had lost the ability to walk in the afternoons because the pain was so severe. Um, and, and really it goes back to that whole idea of, of choosing. I could choose to be defined by that, that pain, the, the suffering part of what my life looked like, or I could choose, well, that's just part of what I have to deal with. And then I want to choose to step into this life Of being an entrepreneur. And I didn't even know to call it an entrepreneur at the time. I mean, honestly, back in 2008, there weren't a lot of women in the space at all. So I didn't have anyone to even look at to say, oh, that's what I want to do. I just knew that that's what got me excited. This idea of him working with me, of us having that freedom of us, you know, raising the kids on our own terms and doing all of those things that were really important to us. That's what got me
0: fired up. That's so beautiful. What do you think differentiated you um, from a lot of the people who make the decision to wallow in that pain, wallow in the suffering? It's not easy to be at an eight or nine in pain and decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything I have to this tiny little seedling of a dream to, to maybe have my husband at home. What, what differentiated you? And what made you actually have that passion towards the second option?
1: Well, I like to say there's nothing different about me. I'm just a, I'm just a regular woman like anybody else. It's just that I, I made that decision and I stuck with it. And I think this is the thing is I think so often we think that we are stuck, that we're Mm -hmm. stuck with whatever life has handed us, or we're stuck in a rut, or we're stuck with this is just the way life is. And I think it's really important to understand that the opposite of stuck is not unstuck. It's not this magical moment where the clouds part, rainbows shoot out of the sky, and suddenly you're like unstuck. The opposite of stuck is action. It's taking action. It's tiny, itty-bitty little steps to move you forward. And I think that's the only difference between me and what some of these other people do is I stood in my kitchen. I didn't just say this dream out to the world and just go, okay, now is it gonna magically happen? It was like, no, now what do I need to do? I sat down literally that night in my kitchen I threw the kids in bed, maybe literally, um, you know, like, good Like, I got to go down and work on this new plan. And, you know, I mapped out what this could look like. I made an action plan for myself of this is what I'm going to do first. Okay, first I need to create a website, which I did through my dot Mac account. So it wasn't even like a fancy website, but I was like, i got to make a website. I need to figure out what days I can work on this. Like what days are the kids and mother's day out? So then I can get these things done. And I created this plan for myself. And every day I took little steps. They weren't giant leaps every single day. I think we get so caught up in where we are now versus where we want to be right in the future. And it seems like this giant chasm that's as wide as the Grand Canyon. And we think we have to make this like running leap. And that's A, exhausting and B, daunting. That is so scary. When in effect, if we just put one foot in front of the other, we could easily walk down that canyon, get across the other side and make it to the other side in no time flat. And that's what I did. I focused in on the small movements and I I now call them um, small, huge movements, right? They're simple to to manage, easy to, to, to manipulate or easy. Sorry, let me say that again. I call them small, huge movements. They're simple to implement, easy to manage, yet monumental in the impact it makes in your daily life. And so it really is taking those small steps. That's how I got to where I am now. With a seven-figure business, best-selling books, I am no different than anyone listening to this podcast. I mean, yes, I'm, my mom likes to think that I'm special, and I like to become <laughs> special. But at the end of the day, I'm a woman with no business experience. That's you know, running a business and doing the I things that I want to do
0: on my own terms. Yeah, yeah, by the small steps, it really, really does make a difference. It, it's, it's so amazing, and like you said, the opposite of being stuck. When that word comes out of your mouth, it should be a, a red flag to say, "I have a choice." You know, Mm. I have a choice to, to be in pain with my back and and my husband be, and I also have a choice to do something different and to believe in myself and to have a dream. So yeah, that gave me goosebumps. I love it. I would love to know a little bit more where, where the books started coming in. Where did you get the dream to be an author? How did you take the small, big step to start writing these books and getting them to be so successful?
1: Yeah. Well, I'd like to say really the dream of being an author started in the sixth grade when I was writing for Mr. Carlisle's class. Uh, Of course, back then, when I was in sixth grade, I didn't think, "Oh, I'll write books on productivity and you know how to how to have uh, find your purpose and those kinds of things." I just thought, "Oh, we we made a book in that class," and I thought, "Oh, I would love to be an author. I love to write," and so it was one of those things where it was always in the back of my mind. Like, I would love to be an author. I would love to write a book someday. And it was one of those dreams I put on the shelf where it just kept gathering dust. I pull it off. Of the shelf you know every now and then like blow off the dust and say okay is this time no no it's not time and i put it back on the shelf and then i pull it off the next year no no it's not time uh, but it was always there and what's interesting is you know every year i do like a big reflection activity for myself where i reflect back on what the last years looked like and i project forward what i think i want to have in the future several years back now at this point i had sat down and i was like okay reflection and doing my projection and i was like okay is this the year i'm gonna write the book And I was like, no, I just don't think I can. The the podcast was really taking off at the time, my podcast. And then um, I had a lot of things going on with my business. And so I decided, nope, not going to happen. Two weeks later, I get an email from a publishing company and they're like, hey, we've listened to your podcast. We love what you're doing over there. It's so different. We'd love for you to write a book. And I was like, hold on a minute. I just said I wasn't going to write a book. So here's where it gets funny. You know, I'm like, huh. So I start thinking about it. And like two weeks later, a second publishing company reaches out. to no me. No way. Hey, we've heard you on your podcast. We love what you're doing. You, we would love for you to write a book with us. So I was like, okay, I know how this works. When the universe like gives you a sign, you got to pay attention because otherwise the signs just keep getting stronger before they just like land on your head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. okay. or,
0: or the universe will give it to someone else
1: <laughs> or it'll give it to someone else. And so I said, okay, well, I think I need to take this pretty seriously. Like this is, so I sat down and was like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it on my own terms. I'm not just gonna go with the first you know, publishing company that reaches out to me. I wanna write a book on my own terms. So I made the decision that yes, I was gonna shift some things around. I was gonna end up saying no to some of the things I had thought I was gonna say yes to. I was gonna say no, cause I was gonna go for writing this book. And so I decided, all right, I'm gonna say no to both of those publishing houses. So that was a big decision, right? Which seems yes. counter to everything your, your cells in your body are screaming you to do say, so yes, yes. Cause it's a, it's a definite yes. But I was like, I really want to write what I want to write on my own terms. So if two publishing houses are interested in me, let me see what I can create to see if I can really put this out in the world. So I, you know, I said, like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and get an agent. I started mapping out and creating a real proposal for the book. Sent, we sent the proposal out to different publishing houses. I ended up getting seven offers. Uh, The book ended up going to auction where the different publishing companies are bidding in a little bidding war over, over the books. Yeah. So that's how it ended up (laughs) happening. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, one of those things where, uh, you got to pay attention to the signs. A lot of times the signs are there. It's just quieting ourselves down and truly listening to what's appearing in front of us. Right. And then heeding that call and saying, okay, now I'm going to go for it, but I'm going to do it on my terms. I think that's the big kind of twist here because truly when I look back published through HarperCollins, which was not the first or the second company that reached out to me and is a much bigger publisher. This is the thing is it's so easy to say yes. Every time someone comes knocking on the door, sometimes it's just a wake up call. Like, okay, what is it? I want to do. What is it? I think this could look like for me. Right. And that's, that's what I did.
0: So beautiful! What a great story. I love that. I would love to switch gears a little bit here, and I know that you mentioned quite a bit, even on your website. One of the first things that you see is that you're a wife and that you're a mother, and I really, really look up to that because I feel like as a, as a mother myself, as a wife myself, and an entrepreneur and a newer entrepreneur, that when you look up and you you know you want to look at look for someone that that inspires you and someone that motivates you and someone that's doing the thing that you want to do. When you look up and you're looking for a woman CEO it's like where does, where are they <laughs> where are they where are they and if they are a lot of the one, maybe you can find a few and they're like oh yeah i have nannies and i have i mean that's not a bad thing but you know they're they're really in their ceo or they're very mm-hmm. at, at home and so I love the fact that all over your website and even on the back of your book, it mentions I'm a mom, I'm a wife, these are my kids, this is my husband. So do you want to talk a little bit more on how you're able to do that?
1: (laughs) I would love to, because I think this is the thing is we get really caught up in what our roles are. And a lot of times that's tied into what our career is. Whether our career is being a stay-at-home mom, which I call the CEO of the home, because truly, I believe your home <laughs> is well, it is. And I think your home is like a business. Your home is a nonprofit. What we are creating, the products we're creating are well-adjusted children with morals and values and a happy home life. All of those things are really important. Um, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for your job or not. When you're a student, your job at that time is going to school and, and doing the, the, the work. So the truth is we're defined by so much more than who we are from nine o'clock to five o'clock on a regular basis. There's all these different aspects to us and we get really caught up in that one role. And I want people to start really paying attention to who they are outside of that, which is why for me, it's really important to talk about the fact that I am a wife. I am a mother. I'm a neighbor. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm all these other things. And I'm able to do the things I'm doing because I have been really intentional with it. I have created boundaries for myself. Uh, One of the boundaries that I have for my business is I leave work every day at three o'clock and I don't work Fridays. So I work Monday through Thursday till three o'clock and on Fridays I'm off. Um, and I do that because during the day I wear the CEO of the office hat and I'm running around doing the things as the CEO of the office. I take that hat off at three o'clock and I put on my CEO of the home hat and I'm there to help the kids with homework and do the after school activities and do those kinds of things. And for me, that was really important for me to be that hands-on mom. Now, when I was you know younger and my kids were younger and they weren't in school five days a week, I would really you know structure my day so that on the days where they were at preschool or Mother's Day out, those were my work days. Those were days where I'm like, okay, I'm getting things done. I also was really intentional with my children in that um, they understood that mom works, that mom has has a job, even when she's at home. So I would do things with my kids. Like I would say, okay, mom's going to be in work mode. You've got five minutes to ask me anything you want. You can ask me, you know, anything you want, you know, if you want a popsicle, if you want a TV show, you have five minutes because when mom puts up, I have a sign. Or I did have a sign. When mom puts up the sign then I'm in work mode, the answer is going to be no. To anything you ask, it's going to be no. Okay? So my kids would be like, okay, so they got to ask their questions and then they wouldn't disturb me. You know why? Because when the sign was up, the answer was no. Can really? I have a popsicle? No. Can I go to a friend's house? No. Can I watch a TV show? No. You know what your kids don't like? They don't like no. So you set that boundary, even with your children, you set that boundary for yourself and it's really important to communicate that. Um, and so with my kids, you might think to yourself, wow, is that really going to work? Hey, I used to be a teacher. People wonder how we get five-year-olds to line up really quietly during a fire drill. We practice it. We rehearse it, role play it. We do all those things so that when we're in the real drill, they know exactly what to do. Right. So I would do things with my kids. Like we would practice when the phone would ring and I'd say, oh, that's a work call. What do we do? What do we do? And they would go over and I had like a little chart, uh, you know, with pictures on it and they would point to what activity they were going to do while I was on the phone. Uh So we would practice that. And then when the phone would ring for a client, they didn't bother me. Right. So it's really being really intentional with how you set up those boundaries. But two, my kids really always have felt like the business is our business. It's their business too. Um, when they were really young, I would say things to them like, okay, I'm going to get in work mode and I'm working. Hey, can you come help me? Because I really need, I really need stickers on all of these, these papers. Could you I mean, I didn't need stickers on the papers. You think they needed Snoopy stickers? No. (laughs) But I was like, oh, this would be such a big help to me. If you could put Snoopy stickers on every one of these. (gasps) Yes, I can do it. Right. So they sat there and they would really be very, I'd be like, okay, put it right here in the corner. And right. So they would put it on there and they'd be like, oh yes. And they would finish. And I'd say, oh my goodness, this was such a big help to me. I love that we run the business together. Right. And so they always felt like they were a part of running the business. So as they got older, they would do other things. I mean, my son who's now at college, he's worked in my warehouse. Um, my, my daughter has, you know, helped do packaging. They, they help out with these different things. I have employees, but they come in on their days off and they help out because it's our business. So they understand what I do when I'm doing my work, which I think is really important. They feel like they're a part of that. So they're a big part of the mission of what we do to impact the lives of women. And they understand the boundaries. So when I'm working, they understand that what I'm doing is important and it's serious. Um, and so I'm not to be disturbed.
0: What a Wow. My mind is... No, blown. I know that was a lot. <laughs> that was so good. I'm like... Oh, seriously, because my biggest fear is always my daughter's 16 months, so she's in daycare full time. But my biggest fear is, you know, when she is a little bigger, that. Mommy works, close the door, I have no idea what she does behind there. You know, she just doesn't mm-hmm. care about me when that door is closed. But the Snoopy yeah. sticker thing, like that, I'm going to keep that with me forever, I swear. So, yeah, yeah. 20 it, years when story. I'm like, Tanya said, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, too, we would do co working. So, Jack and Kate, you know, or your daughter could have like a coloring book there. And you're like, okay, we're co working. I'm going to work on my stuff. You work on yours. You're going to work quietly. I'm going to work quietly. And then when they come and interrupt, you're like, no, no this is co-working time. And then you go back to what you're doing. It's really reinforcing those boundaries, but you're like, Oh, look at the work you created. Let's hang this up. Right? Like I think people really have this belief that you have to have it super compartmentalized that it's like work and then home. Mm-hmm. And yes, in a lot of ways with our brain, we want to get, when we're out of work mode, we want to be a hundred percent focused, present there for our kids and our our spouses and our significant others and our friends. But there needs to be some allowance for people to come in, right? We have to open those doors a little bit and let them see what's happening behind those doors, because if they see what's happening behind the doors, they feel like they're part of it. I talk a lot about we have teams at the office. So you might have, you know, team members or maybe you have a VA or, you know, you have somebody that has your social media strategy or whatever those things are. But you also have a team at home. So your team at home is your family. You know, I think it's really important. I always refer to my kids as being part of the team because when I have a big launch or I have something, you know, like a book I'm working on. It takes them being self-sufficient so that I can focus in on what I need to do. So I make sure that they understand and they see that direct connection on a regular basis. We do team planning on Sundays where we sit down as a team, my family and I, and we talk about, okay, what do you have going on? So if they have projects, they're kind of mapping out what they need to do in their timeline, their project management of themselves. Um, And we'll say, okay, you know, this week I've got this going on. This week Jack has this going on. So Jack has play practice all right, team, how are we going to support Jack this week? Because he's going to have late play practice. So, okay, Kate, what are you going to do to uh, take over some of Jack's chores? All right, John, what are you going to do to help out? And so we all come together. And so when it's my turn where I'm like, okay, this is a big week, guys, big week. We got a big launch going on or we've got this thing going on they do the same thing for me. They come in and they're like, all right, what do we need to do? All right, I'm taking care of dinner. I'm doing these things. So it really is creating this mentality for your family that we are in it together. Mm. I think, especially as moms, we think we have to do all the supporting. We have to hold everybody else up and we're not supposed to ask for help. When asking for help is one of the greatest gifts of love, you can gift to your family because when they come in and they're able to support you, they feel like they're a member of the team. And this is true, even when they are
0: teeny tiny little babies, right. Making them feel like they're part of the team. So has it always been that way for you? Or also maybe a side question is what happens on a week where there's attitude or people don't want to sit down for the meeting or like, how do you, the dark times, how do you manage?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's always dark times. You can have light times. You can have dark times. I mean, honestly, um, it's one of those things, especially now with our family, we've done it for quite some time. And so it's just like, an expectation and everybody knows. And so if somebody's like, I don't want to show up, it's like, well, then we're not going to be here to support you. How's that going to work? You know? And so it really becomes a conversation. I think too, when there's pushback, that's an opportunity to open up that conversation with your kids. Why are you not wanting to come to the team meetings? I never wanted my kids to feel like it was, life was happening to them, that this is because I say so. It's because we agree as a family. And if we don't think the team meetings are working, then let's go ahead and sit down and talk about what we need to adjust, what we need to shift, how we need to make it so the boundaries work for all of us. You know, like my kids, you know, pushed back for a while because they didn't like that it was at a certain time or they you know, it was kind of a disruption, they felt like to their day. Okay, let's sit down. Let's figure out what it is. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have guessed it was the time of day, right? But that when we sat down and had the conversation, we we're like, "Oh, well, what if we just switch it? What if we just move it here?" Or, you know, if you don't like Sundays, why don't we meet on Monday nights or You know what I mean? Like make it work for you. And this is one of the big things as a productivity expert there, you hear from a lot of these productivity people, like systems, you have to do these things. It has to work this way. And it's so rigid that when you get pushback from your kids or something doesn't quite work, the whole thing just shatters, right. It doesn't work. You need flexibility. You need Mm -hmm. grace. You need, you know, just like buildings and bridges are designed to flex with the wind so they can withstand tornadoes and hurricanes and all those things, we need that with our productivity. We need that with our planning. You need the grace because sometimes kids are not going to want to meet on certain days, or you need to, right? So, all of those things. Yeah, honestly, too, when you start when your kids are really young, there's not much discussion on it because they're just right. like, okay, and you make it fun. You know, if you're this is something new that you're doing with your family, make sure you're doing it in a way that feels fun. It should not feel like you are the drill sergeant barking to everyone. Everyone has a chance to talk, everyone has a chance to say, how they want the meeting to run or what the agenda is, or all of those things. If I'm doing meetings in the evening, sometimes we'll do it with pizza and we'll lay out a blanket and we'll do it on the floor, like picnic style, things we don't normally do. Right. Right. So it's about shifting things around so that it becomes enjoyable. All these things that we're talking about should be enjoyable. I mean, why are we doing the things we're doing if they're not fun?
0: Right. Totally. Totally. And so running a seven-figure business, being a mom, maybe to younger kids, because now 18, I mean, hopefully they're on their own mostly, (laughs) especially (laughs) in college. How were you able to, or how are you able to keep up your relationship with your husband, especially being across the desk? And also what came to mind for me was he was traveling the world. He was in this international business position. And then now he works for you, quote unquote, for those that can't see me. A lot of times in the society that we're living in, that could feel demasculating, or if that's even a word oh, to a man. Without question. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, he that's something that gets said to him from time to time, which I think is insane when you think of I do the too. day and age that we're <laughs> in, um, that if I worked for him, it wouldn't be an issue at all. No one would even second guess that or question it. Um, but we've had times where, you know, we're talking to someone and we'll mention that I'm the CEO and he's the CMO and the, well, usually it's a guy, mm-hmm. nine, I mean, 10 times out of 10, it's a guy who looks <laughs> at my husband and goes, well, she's putting you in your place. And John will say, not really. Why would she be, what does that have to do with anything? Like, you know, she is made to be a CEO. She does amazing things as a CEO. I love being her CMO. If you have a problem with that, that's something on your end, right? We'll go so therapy. you have to really- <laughs> yeah, you need to go to therapy. You need to have a conversation or two. Um, So it can't, you know, I think though, it goes back to that whole idea of conversations. I think conversations are a big part of being intentional with the way that we live. I think so often we live our lives trying to live up to everyone else's expectations. And a lot of times we haven't had conversations with those same people to find out what their expectations really are. The number of times that I have been coaching a woman and I say, you know, what if we try to do this? And she says, oh, my husband would never, he'll never support that. And I'll say, have you had a conversation? And she'll say, well, no. And I'll say, go have a conversation. Let's see how it goes. And I'm not kidding. The majority of the time they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, you were so supportive. I had no idea because we're not giving people the opportunity to have that, you know, oh no, this is not my expectation. We're projecting our own thoughts about what those projections, you know, those, those expectations are onto other people. Same thing with our kids. You know, I'll hear from moms who are like, I don't have time to run my business because I'm running kids to 5,000 different activities. (sighs) Have you had a conversation with your kids about whether they really enjoy those activities? Well, no. Well then, okay, let's have the conversation. And they find out their kids are not enjoying most of them. And then it becomes, why are you sending them to these activities? Because this is what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. It's the expectation. Well, what if we throw all expectations out the window and you do you, you live a life defined by how you want to live it and how your kids want to live it. And then a lot of times they're like, oh my gosh, my kids only want to go to like two activities. I'm like, okay. So we just freed up your time and their time at the same time. And everybody's happier. That's the, that's not even like the side bonus. That's the huge bonus that comes with that. Having conversations I think is so important. Let's start having them,
0: you know? Li- to with friends with family with entrepreneur like with coworkers, with while we're networking yeah. with our husbands especially <laughs> that's so gold so is that something you and your husband do you have your own separate meetings like once a week together like about your relationship not about business How do you keep the spark alive?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So one of the things that we do, because we, we do work together and we live together clearly. Um, so sometimes when we're having conversations, I'll say, okay, I need you to listen as my CMO, or I need you to listen to this as my husband, like, don't try to problem solve it as, as a business, you know, partner, I want you to listen to me and just commiserate as my husband. I'm not looking (laughs) for a solution here. Please stop solving it. Or, you know, I need you not to worry about me personally. I need you to look at this as my CMO from business. So we'll we'll have that, you know, at the start of a lot of our conversations. But one of the traditions that we really set up um, really early when our kids were young was Sunday nights were a date night for us. And that's a night that we definitely do not talk about work after the kids would go to bed at night, we would do an at home date. So it could be, you know, making craft cocktails and sitting on the spring porch. It might be watching a movie. It might just be sitting and visiting. It might be, you know, doing a thousand different things that you can do around your house. You can get really creative with the things you can do at home so you don't have to hire a babysitter. Cause that was one of the things where we're like, oh, we don't have a lot of money for a babysitter when the kids were little. And then it just became more, this was easy to do the Sunday night thing. And that was a night where it was dedicated to my marriage. And so this is one of the beautiful things with traditions. I talk about this in the joy of missing out the beauty of traditions is it takes the thinking out of it. I'm not stressed about, oh, when's the last time my husband and I had a date night. I know Sunday night, we're going to spend time together and we're not going to talk about business. We're not going to really talk about the kids. We're going to talk about us. Um, And so there's this constant nurturing of that fire. And I think because we do that, because it's so intentional, uh, as we have evolved And grown up because that's what happens as you're getting you you grow up and you and your spouse grow up together and what if you're not continually having these connection points what happens is you grow up separately yeah in different directions and your one point of contact is the kids but because he and i have these regular weekly conversations we have grown up together So we have similar interests and some interests that are different, but I know what his interests are. And I can, I know enough to be able to have a conversation about a formula one race, which I have (laughs) no interest in, but I know who the major racers are and those kinds of things. So I can at least act someone interested and ask the right questions. Right. So it's all about growing together um, and really creating intentionality. You know, when people hear me talk or they see my bio, they're like, Ooh, productivity. And they get really like wide eyed and they're excited, like, Ooh, productivity. And that's the shiny object that gets them in the door. They come in the door and I'm like, listen, it's really intentional living. That's what being truly productive is about because I am redefining productivity. It's not about doing more. It's doing what's most important. If you're doing the things that are most important, that's being intentional that's being mindful. It's really living every day to its fullest because you're doing the things that bring you joy and happiness because they're important.
0: So beautiful. Oh my gosh. There's so much gold in this. I love this interview (laughs) so much. I don't want it to end, but I do have one more question for you and then I'll give you the stage to talk about anything you got going on. But the last question that I had was for someone who's listening, who's really just starting their entrepreneur journey, maybe struggling with a chronic illness or something going on in their lives. What would be a piece of advice you'd give them to believe in themselves when things get tough?
1: Yeah. I love this question because here's the thing. We get really overwhelmed. And overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start, right? But we get really overwhelmed by the big things that we dream about. So you heard me earlier say, you know, it's all about taking action, small steps. Here's what I would say to your listeners. I want you to think about what you can do today. The day that you are listening to this episode, what can you do today to give you a little forward motion? Not tomorrow, not next week. What can you do today? Which means it can't be a big you know, three-hour thing, right? Because your day is maybe already halfway done or maybe it's the evening. I'm talking like 15 minutes, right? What's something you can do that takes 15 minutes, maybe 30 today to give you a little momentum? Maybe it's calling and finding about out about that course you're interested on. In. Maybe it's doing a little bit of research into uh, how to file your business. Maybe it's, you know, calling a friend and doing your brainstorming session together. Whatever it is, it has to be done today. So it is very intentionally a small step because it's being done today. So Mm -hmm. I would challenge you to go ahead and do that. Think about something that I said earlier in the episode, piggyback off of that, come up with an idea for what your team planning is going to look like, figure out what your action steps are, any of those things, but do it today.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And now this stage is yours. Well, I know you have your new book. If you want to talk about that or your podcast anywhere, all of it will be linked in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. What are you most excited about?
1: Well, I would say the the best place to come and find me is to go to tanyadalton.com because that's my hub for uh, where you can find the intentional advantage is my podcast. We um, we're up to like 250 some odd episodes. I do an episode every week, which I really love. And you can also find links to my books, the joy of missing out and on purpose. Uh, Both of those are available anywhere books are sold. So that could be a great action step for you to take today is go and order the book. It's available. Like I said, barnesandnoble.com target.com amazon.com go ahead. And uh, maybe that's your action step for today.
0: I love it. And we'll link that in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Tanya. This was life-changing episode for me and I'm sure for many others. Remember, it's not only possible to be sick and successful, it is possible for you.